One of the most important facets of any business is customer service. In business, you are not only selling a product or a service, but an experience. Providing exceptional customer service and developing real relationships with your clients means increased sales, retain customers, new customers via word of mouth, and a positive reputation. You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience Podcast. Podcast. Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Patrick Zeller here. He's in the automotive industry. We met a few years back when I purchased two Kia vehicles at a car dealership. And uh, Patrick, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you're doing now, and yeah. Yeah, my name, as you mentioned, uh, it's Patrick Zeller. I'm currently the internet sales manager at uh, Mainland Ford in Surrey, BC. Um, but I've worked for several manufacturers over the last eight years, including uh, Murray Kia Abbotsford, uh, Abbotsford Chrysler, um, and a couple other small stints at some smaller locations as well. So um, pretty proficient in uh, automotive purchasing. I've done financing um, and overall customer service. My background before that was in the customer service industry. So I'm excited to be on and share some stories and hopefully provide some uh, value to the podcast today. Yeah, I think it's going to be great to have somebody on here who does internet sales of automobiles because, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is customer experience and how it's changing and internet sales. Like I got a friend also in Calgary that did the same thing for a while doing internet sales and just the way we're all interacting with each other. So Let's let's start off here. What was your most me- memorable experience as a customer? Uh, for me, and you know, I think it's kind of cliche. We hear it quite a bit, but uh, it's the Disney experience. Um, actually, back in 2016, my wife and I made a trip to Florida and uh, went to Disney World. We had our two-year-old son with us, and for anybody that's gone down there, they have you fill out information and everything like that. Um, but upon arrival, the check-in was so personalized. It was, it was impressive. Um, you know, the staff knew our names, they made our son feel, you know, like he was the center of attention and it just blew us away, you know, the hands-on service. And I I think that's what kind of gets lost nowadays, especially in the sales industry. Everyone's so focused on, you know, completing the transaction that they lose sight of the little things. And especially if somebody walks in with kids, it's so important to make those kids feel relevant you know, get their names, talk to them, get down to their level. Um, it just speaks volumes to the, you know, attention to detail that you have and the clients, the parents, you know, are impressed by it. So I try and go out of my way to do that. Anytime I have kids come in, we have little plush stuff balls in the showroom. So I'll go see if I can dig those up and give them to the kids, you know, offer them their own drink before you offer the parents anything, you know, the kids aren't the ones signing the check, but the happier the parents are, the more likely they are to trust you and do business with you. Which, which is, you know, very true because uh, like my wife working in the restaurant industry for a long period of time, you know, serving tables, you, you always wanted to make sure like if somebody came in with kids, it's, hey, um, do we need to bring out the food early for the kids or do you want it to come with it? Because they, they want to make sure because if they can tell the kids are restless, they want to make sure, hey, let's make them feel comfortable because if we get food in front of them, it'll cause them to settle down for a while. And then we'll bring the parents their food 
And a lot of times that helps a lot because they might be, oh, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, right? So you really want to read the room or read your customer to find out what they might need. And just you talking about the personalization. I mean, I've never actually booked directly at Disney. So you booked directly at a Disney resort then, right? Like stayed at the hotel and everything. That's correct. We were there for a week. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. The only other time I think I had service like that was I think sandals in Jamaica. Nice. That was, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, very, very personalized, but it was an all that adult only resort, not, not kids, but yeah, it was very, yeah. You know, Senior Ben and stuff like that. <laughs> like, exactly. Mr. Ben, Mr. Ben. <laughs> well, that's what we got in at Disney too, right? We got, I remember we got back to the room and there were there were little gift baskets there, and each of us had one. There was one with my son's name on it too. And he said, "What two year old doesn't like opening something up?" <laughs> oh, oh yeah. He's over the moon. So now he's got wow. his little Mickey ears, and I, I can't even remember everything else that was in it. But I think it was like bubble bath, and you know all the stuff that like a two year old would want to do when he's on vacation. So it was fantastic. Cool. Yeah, they definitely plan it. I've actually never even heard of, I've heard of so many people who've gone there, but no one's ever actually told me about like how they've personalized or how they've done things like that. So I've always stayed off resort. Um, Yeah, I've just never stayed on resort. The on resort's always so busy. You always have to book out so much in advance. So hmm, that's that's awesome. We were down there in April um, and it wasn't too bad. Like everybody was still in school. It was kind of off season and for us Canadians, it was kind of like Canadian summer because it never got hotter than about 25. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, I think you're going to be able to give us a, a re- some real good uh, feedback on this one. When you look around at the world today, what has stood yeah. out to you as the biggest change in how we re- interact as customers? Oh, man, it's it's the personal level of interaction that's changed. Um, you know, I, I've I've noticed a drastic amount of uh, appointments that have gone down and a drastic amount of remote clients that have gone up. So really since this pandemic started, um, you know, the transition to essentially what we're doing instead of a face-to-face meeting, being on video, on Zoom, um, sending short clips, it's skyrocketed. It's really become the way that we interact now. And to give you an idea, if you are on my social platforms at all over the last couple of weeks, I've been to Vancouver Island two consecutive weekends delivered vehicles to clients that have never seen them or driven them. So you rely heavily on um, technology in order to make them feel comfortable. So not only do I do a short video introduction when I'm sending an email off to a client, but I do a full three minute walk around with my phone pointing out, you know, if there's any scratches on a pre-owned vehicle or demonstrating how a feature works on a new vehicle. So when a client, you know, has me knock on their door at 10 o'clock in the morning with their new vehicle, there aren't surprises. They already feel familiar with it. They know what they're getting into. And that's something that we just didn't do three years ago. You know, three years ago, you inquired on a vehicle online. I picked up the phone and we made an appointment. You were sitting at my desk. We were having a cup of coffee and we'd go out and see the car. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that anymore. They're, they're not interested in getting together with people, whether it's the fear of COVID or, or whatever else, trying to limit their exposure, or maybe they're too busy and they don't want to get out. So even locally, I find like I've got a lady this week, I'm driving a vehicle out to Tawasin. So it's not far from where I work. It's 25 minutes, but she's more comfortable having it brought to her house. You know, we go through the whole procedure like you'd expect. We sanitize everything. Masks, of course, are worn the entire time. Um, But it's making the client feel comfortable. That's the biggest change. You know, this isn't on our terms now. It's what do people want and making sure that we adapt to it because it's the only way the business is going to continue to grow. Yeah, no, um, 
I guess that's why my business was created. I, I looked at how the world was changing, how the world was interacting. Um, I tried telling a few people in the industry, hey, you need to go mobile and you need to do virtual quotes to clients. You need to get better at doing online quotes. You need to do better at like texting. You know, you need to make yourself available to them. The other thing is that I think you need to go direct to client. And I, I was doing these like kind of consulting you know, sessions for free at the beginning of COVID trying to give people like, Hey, this is where I see it going. And everybody was kind of like, ah, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have my own business then fine. I'm, you don't want to listen to me. I'll go build it. And that's basically what happened is I went and built it and now I've proven concept and I go direct to people because so many people are working from home now. Now I just go to people and do the install there. They're already at home. Yeah. And most of these people, if they're working remotely and they have their office at home, they can't come and drop it off at a shop anymore. So now I go direct to them. It's all about convenience. And, you know, you want to make it easy. And just thinking about how you're you're talking about doing, you're making videos. Yep. And, and I've gone crazy on YouTube videos lately, just trying to put so much content out there so that. Because a lot of people feel like they're burdening you if they ask you a question. They, they feel like, you know, oh, I don't want to call Ben and, and bug you. And I even have people say that to me when, when I'm leaving. Like, you know, feel free to text, email, call me, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm here for you, right? Even if it's after hours, I may not get back to you right away, but, but I will get back to you. And realistically, that's why I keep developing content because I know a lot of people feel like they'd be bugging me by contacting me. So I just say, Hey, you know what? And if you don't want to call me, just go on our YouTube channel. We have tons of content, tons of things that will show you how to do stuff. And you know, you're, you're making videos, I guess, giving them walkthroughs of the vehicle, right? Cause yep. some people may not even want to, they might want someone to just hand them the keys. <laughs> right. Absolutely. right? Well, Every client's different. And it depends on the vehicle too. Like last year, I took a, a 2007 Ford F-150 to Nanaimo. So this is a guy buying a 14-year-old truck. As you can imagine, there's no such thing as a showroom quality, you know, 14-year-old truck. There were marks on it. There were scratches on it. The seats had some stains, but it was a mechanically sound truck. It was the configuration he was looking for. And so I went over everything with a fine-tooth comb. He, said, he laughed, actually. He said, I couldn't believe how detailed you were. Like you literally pointed out, you know, feather scratches in the paint and I said, well, that's my job. Like, I don't want to invest the time to come to you and have you be disappointed. Just like you don't want to invest the time with me to have a vehicle show up that isn't what you were expecting. So I'd rather go over the top and find the issue beforehand than have to deal with it, you know, after everybody's put in all this time and effort. It's just, it's not worth it to the client. And yeah, that's just what I believe. And I've been very successful with it for the last, you know, 18 months or so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know if I've touched this on, on any of my other podcasts, but many years ago, I bought a 2008 Pontiac Vibe. His name's Chris Baltson in Edmonton. And I remember him telling me, um, you know, we're, uh, when you come pick up your car, make sure you have an hour and a half to two hours set aside. And, and yeah. in my head, knowing, you know, I have salespeople working for me and all that. In my head, all I'm thinking is, oh, great. They're going to go at me for the extended warranty again. They're going to go at me for like undercoating. That's all I'm thinking. Like, what do we need an hour and a half for? Right. I get there. The car is completely cleaned in the wash bay. Brings me inside because it's cold outside. So we don't have to go stand out in the cold. Yeah. Gives me this full demo. And I'm talking 
there is stuff like to this day i still talk about it because he brings me in there and he's like so just so you know full jug of windshield washer fluid fits directly in here like we're talking a full jug we're talking if it's empty completely filled right to the bottom i know because i've tested it myself and this is how you do your rear windshield wipers and here's how you do your front which he literally showed me every button on this vehicle stuff where at the beginning i was rolling my eyes because i am in the aftermarket automotive industry but then i was like oh i didn't know that i didn't know that i didn't know that and i just think about that's what i do with with my business is a lot of people tell me no 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 I'll figure it out. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm here right now. I'm going to spend 15 to 30 minutes with you. And, you know, because even though they may be able to figure it out, it's still important to go through it. So I'm glad that you're spending the time to go over it. Even though, like you said, the guy's kind of like, come on, like, really? You're going, but you're just doing that extra due diligence so that you don't get the call of, hey, man, you know. Uh, I did it last weekend. The the gentleman that I took a truck over to was an 82-year-old man in in, uh, Qualicum Beach. And salt of the earth, absolutely fantastic human being. But he's not the most technologically advanced. So I did everything with his phone. I set up his Bluetooth. Um, You may not know the Ford product all that well, but they have an app that syncs to a lot of their new vehicles called Ford Pass. So you can lock and unlock the vehicle from anywhere. You can remote start it from anywhere. He had no idea how to do any of this stuff. So I set it up on his phone. I put it on his home screen. I walked him through it. Um, and then afterwards, I emailed him a, a video thing that Ford puts out that reiterates everything that I went over with him. So I'm like, hey, if you have questions, like go back, visit this, but also use me as a point of contact. Because like you said, I know people don't always want to reach out. They would rather go and try and find the information themselves. So giving them that alternative, I think, is important. But he uh, wrote an amazing review back to my boss about how blown away he was that I spent you know, 45 minutes with him in the parking lot of the insurance agency, making sure he knew what every button in his truck did. And, you know, he compared it to a, another purchase he had at another location where they more or less threw him the keys, put his plates on and told him to have a great day. And, oh. and some people want that. Some people want that. And that's fine. But, you know, invest the time and offer it, like you said. And if the client really doesn't want it, well, it is what it is. But I'd say 95 times out of 100, they end up learning something like you did and, and being appreciative that you want to spend that time with them. So, yeah, no. Um, and, and I could totally touch on that. So. Uh, we bought a we bought a Dodge Journey in Edmonton because I wanted to go back to that Chris Baltzan guy, but unfortunately the Pontiac Montana at that time was discontinued or the Uplander or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, right around that time, like uh, I think it was 2010 or whatever, it was gone, and you couldn't get them. And I didn't want used; I wanted a new one. So I was like, yeah, you know what? We do dealers. We do business with this other dealership. So. I was like, oh, sure. You know what? I'm going to go talk to them. So I did, you know, I knew the sales manager, knew all them, set it all up. My wife took it for a test drive. And then my wife went to go pick the vehicle up. And literally the sales manager just said, here's your keys. Have a good day. I didn't even know that happened. What happened was I got the phone call of, hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. We want to review how your experience was with your delivery. And I literally said, oh, well, you want to talk to my wife here? And I just gave the phone to my wife and my wife goes, she goes one, one. I'm like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? Right. One. And the, and like, I could hear the lady going, oh, wow. It was that bad. Did they show you? No. One, one. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know it was that bad. I didn't know they just handed her keys. And then she goes, yeah. And, and the Bluetooth doesn't even work. And I'm like, what do you mean the Bluetooth doesn't work? Um, so we told them we wanted Bluetooth. They said, yeah, it has you connect. 
but it doesn't have UConnect Bluetooth. It has a button. Yeah. Yes. It has a button, but it doesn't have Bluetooth. So on top of if he would have done a proper demo, we would have found out we got the wrong vehicle when we were getting delivered. And we could have changed that and said, well, okay, sorry, we need to get a different vehicle that actually has the Bluetooth. But because he didn't do a proper demo, we didn't do that. I had to then install an aftermarket Bluetooth, which is no problem. I mean, I'm, I'm in the industry, but for most people at that point in time, that's a six, $700 investment, right? But I can install it. I can buy it for cost. So I'm kind of, you know, ahead of the curve on most people. But still, you should know. I shouldn't have had to specifically ask for something, right? Like, yeah. So, but that was my, that was just a brutal experience. And, you know, unfortunately, those kinds of things happen. And it's whether or not you don't get me wrong. I've given experiences like that to people too over the years. Like I've made mistakes like that. And, okay, well, but the problem is, is did I, do you learn from it or do you just keep making the same mistake over and over again? Right. So, yeah, this is awesome. You have anything to add to this or? No, I, I, I just think we, we need to continue just to like adapt, right? I, I don't know what the future is going to hold. And yeah, yeah it, it's just going to be interesting to see what continues to change because we're noticing, especially in the automotive industry right now with a big inventory crunch, the dealers that are having a hard time moving stuff are the ones that are stuck in the old mentality ways. You know, like you said, you talked about getting online quotes and, you know, if a customer asks for an online quote now, they get an, a, a first off, they get a very quick speed reply. So I get the inquiry. I shoot a quick video with 30 seconds of, hey, this is who I am. Thanks so much for your inquiry. Let me work on the information for you. And within half an hour, they get a quote, they get a video, they get a link to a window sticker or a link to a Carfax. They get an inspection report. Pretty much every piece of information you would want when you're buying a car is put in front of you within that first 30 minutes of you inquiring. And we've been getting rave reviews about it. Whereas the old school mentality would be, Hey Ben, thanks. I understand you want a quote on an F-150. When can you come in and see me? And that's just not working anymore. You know, you have to be different and you have to put that information out. And we see it in studies too, right? You know, they'll put this out as a, a mystery shopper. And I remember we did a review with one where they did 12 stores, virtually an identical question. Hey, I want a quote on this. What can you do for me? Two of the 12 stores put a quote together. So if you're the consumer and two people out of 12 give you the information that you asked for, which stores are you more likely to deal with? Probably the two that gave you what you asked for, right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I always... So my goal is always to send a quote out real quick. I have like pre-templated, scripted things of, of what I do and pricing. and But I have a lot of links towards YouTube videos on the website, towards common questions that people are going to want answered that usually they almost always ask me. Um, so I've had all that stuff linked in the email, because I know typically I'm going to get fo those follow-up questions and it yep. eliminates a lot of that back and forth of inefficiencies. Um, but I agree. Uh, what I do is I also do manually. Okay. Within 24 to 48 hours, I do a follow-up email manually. So, yep. Cause what, what a lot of people don't realize. And, and like you said, that two out of 12, I bet six out of 12 actually responded. However, what happens is a lot of these companies have permalinks on their responses and the permalinks get blocked and go into people's junk file, junk folders. Yep. And so I always do a manual follow-up 24 or 48 hours later. 
that way they get that. And then they go, Oh, you did send me an email went in the junk, which does happen occasionally. Yep. I do tell people to, to um, check their junk, but so I don't know if you've seen that on your end as well, but I know a lot of people just don't even do the follow-up and that's, that is a key and we're lucky in a way like we get a campaign set up in our crm so we get reminders and like we're on top of it i'll go 30 days of following up not every day but you know kind of stretches out as time goes on first three or four days it's every day i reach out once then it's every second day then it's every fourth day all the way until 30 days if i haven't had a response in 30 days chances are the client's either not interested or has moved on to something else um but yeah the amount of people that don't even put in a second or third follow-up it's it's mind-blowing to me especially when somebody's invested the time to inquire to you, you know, you'll get the odd, you know, tire kicker as we call them who maybe wasn't interested at all, but I've had several instances where I'm two, three, three and a half weeks in. And then all of a sudden, boom, the customer calls me now all of a sudden they're live. Hey, yeah, sorry. I've been really busy, but I noticed you kept following up with me. So there's value in it, especially for the amount of time that it takes. How long does it take you to type out an email? Like two minutes. Yeah, and, uh, our jobs are derived from sales. So you know, you got to put that time in. They're not just going to come to you. They don't know you. You're a name in an email. You're, you're nothing. You need to be different and, you know, show them that you care and show them that you want to invest the time if you want them to come and invest their money with you. Yeah, no, I, so I get a lot of people, which really actually surprised me who contact me. I give them quotes, give them information. They go back and forth. And then it's like, I'll email them saying, okay, um, like I have, free time this Sunday, would you like to get it done? And then nothing, I hear nothing from them. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. seemed like they were going to buy. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to pester them. So I just don't say anything. Right. And then it's like seven months later, which has happened multiple times recently. Hey, we talked, I'm finally ready to get it done. It's like, Oh, and then I'm like, I have to look it up. Oh, wow. I quoted them. Like I had a guy in December. I did his vehicle. I quoted him in March last year. Right. So Nine months later, he's getting his vehicle done. So at least people aren't forgetting about me and the customer service that I'm offering, which is great. But at the same time, you don't know when people are buying or when they're in their research phase or, and that's, that is kind of the challenge, right? You know, there might be somebody who, who wants to buy that Ford Explorer for you, but you know, uh, and, and you know, the other thing too, does it come down to price or does it come down to customer service? And, and that's another thing. And Right now, I get a, a mix. I would say the majority of people are kind of going, I see your Google reviews, I see the service you're offering, and I'm willing to pay for it. It's like, okay, because they see that I'm willing to educate them and spend time with them. So they're willing to pay what I'm charging. At the same time, you, you have the other challenge where, you know, I had a guy the other day say to me, Another place is 10 bucks cheaper. So I'm going to them and I'm thinking, well, at least he wrote the email back to tell me that he wasn't going with me, but I'm thinking like 10 bucks. And and I've had, I had a lady a year ago. She said, Hey, I can get it done at this place for 30 bucks less. And I said, okay, can you please find out whether or not they're going to give you a demo and show you how it all works? And she said, well, you know, I'll take my chances. And I followed up with her anyways, just say, Hey, how was your experience with that other company? And she goes, well, they didn't show me how it worked at all. And I I really wish I went with you, but she actually is given referrals because she now realizes what she missed out on because she wanted that demo. Right. So now she's actually sent a few people to me 
just because I followed up just to find out how her experience was. And it wasn't in a negative way. I was just curious. Did they give the demo? Because hey, if they're giving a full demo and showing her all the stuff that I do and they're charging less, hey, props to them, you know, but they, but they didn't. So, you know, it's all about the experience. <laughs> right. And how good is that word of mouth advertising? Like, what is it? What did it cost you? A little bit of time? It cost me a little bit of time. And I mean, that's really at the end of the day, I, you want to have raving fans that are talking about you, that are following you. I have clients all the way out in Chilliwack, even though I live, you know, an hour from my workplace who buy from me regularly, service at our store. Um, you know, and some of them I even offer. I pick their vehicle up from their house, drive it into work during my workday and bring it back at the end of the day, fully serviced. Hey, you're busy. No problem. Let me take care of it for you. You don't want to invest the two hour commute to get an oil change done. And then the time that you have to spend out of your home, let me take care of it for you. That's uh, another one that our store's done. We've started a pickup and drop off service for essentially anybody in the greater lower mainland area. You want a service and you don't want to bring your vehicle in 10 bucks. We'll send a driver out. We'll pick your vehicle up. We'll bring it in. We'll service it. We'll drop it right back at your workplace, at your house, whatever it is. And the service industry or the service department seen a growth in sales and also better uh, CSI, the customer satisfaction index. So no surprise there, right? People's time is valued and important. And, you know, it's like you said, they they're working from home now. They don't necessarily have time to come to the office. So what are we doing to keep that business? You know, guy had a guy lives in Richmond and he used to work down the street from us. That's why he serves with us. Well, now he's working from home. So how do we keep that client? You got to adapt and, and overcome and be different. And, I think that's where your model makes sense, right? Go to people's houses, go to where they are, and also they're comfortable there. Oh yeah, so they're they're already they're they're already comfortable. Like like I've had people like, do you mind if I have a few drinks? I'm like, you're not driving anywhere. Like you're at home. Like I I don't care what you do in your home as long as you don't take it for a drive after you got a few drinks, right? And they're like, oh no, I'm just I didn't know if it would bug you. I'm like you're not driving anywhere. You're at home. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> They get the demo in their fuzzy pink slippers in the passenger seat. It's perfect. <laughs> oh yeah, I've I've had some. Yeah, I've had, yeah, I've had like people in a bathrobe. You know, <laughs> you know, like you know, I, I don't care. You know, it's all good. As long as they're but, comfortable, uh, right? that's what it's all about. So. Oh yeah. So we we might have even already touched on this, but but what is one thing you do or have done to provide a positive experience? Oh, geez, yeah, we've touched on a few things, right? Like. I always try and offer a drink of some kind. Unfortunately, uh, COVID shut down our coffee machine. So if my customer is a coffee drinker, we're lucky we have a McDonald's next door. So yeah, hey, I'm due for a coffee myself. Let me get you a cup of coffee. You know, can I get you a bottle of water? Um, making kids feel important. That's that's a huge one, even in the automotive industry. You know, like you said, we both have kids. We both understand how it is going and shopping, whether it's for a car or a couch or even grocery shopping with, you know, young kids. Is, it's not a lot of fun. So it's more about how do I minimize the damage, right? So anything we can do to change that goes a long way. Hey, you notice the kid has a tablet. Hey, do you want me to set up the guest Wi-Fi for you so your kid can watch whatever show they want on YouTube? Like offering little things like that. I, I've had the most amazing, you know, response back from a customer. Like, yeah, please. You know, they want to watch their show. Can you put Paw Patrol on for them? And now here's the kid sitting at the desk watching Paw Patrol while I'm answering the parents' questions rather than the kids, you know, tugging at mom and dad's jacket, like, Hey, I want this. I want to do this. And, you know, it, it just goes a long way. And also after sale follow-up, I know I'm kind of going on a bit of a tangent here, but oh, no, that's fine. I think the biggest mistake, especially in the automotive industry is that, Hey, thanks, Ben, here are your keys, you know, enjoy the vehicle. You're going to get a survey from the manufacturer. Um, you know, give me a great rating, but do you actually follow up with the clients afterwards? 
Um, I do a three to five day follow up with every one of my clients, phone call, text. I always ask them what they prefer. I check in at three months. I check in at six months. I check in at a year. I actually handwrite Christmas cards to everybody that I've sold the vehicle to. Um, it's the little things, right? You, you I, I don't see a ton out of it always, but I've had phone calls from people like, wow, you hand wrote me a Christmas card? Yeah, of course. Just wanted to thank you again for your business and you know, keep my name top of mind, right? If you ever need anything, let me know. And I have had re- repeat business come from that. So, you know, make yourself different. You know, they'll, they, they're great saying, and I can't remember who said it, um, but a client may not remember the transaction, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yeah, so that makes if, sense. Right? So if you have a fantastic experience and, you know, I go over everything with you and you feel so comfortable with the car and you're more likely to remember that. You may not remember my name and that's fine. That's what the emails and the phone calls and the, the cards are for. Man, but man, yeah, no, that guy at Ford, he was so good. That was the best experience I ever had. So what, what are you more likely to do, right? You're going to tell somebody. It's just, you know, with, with McDonald's and all my years working for them, they always, you know, told us through studies and whatnot. A disgruntled customer will tell 10 people every single time, minimum. A happy customer will tell one to two. So what are you doing to maximize, you know, the experience to make sure that they're telling more people and you're getting that repeat business and that referral business? Because, you know, whether you're in a dash cam industry or the automotive industry or even the restaurant industry, every person you interact with and sell has a network of people that also, you know, can use your services. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but, you know, six months down the road, maybe a family member needs a vehicle. Oh, hey, you know, go see Patrick at so-and-so. Yeah, Ben installed my dash cam. He was absolutely fantastic. Go see him. And, you know, I've had clients call me from out of town because their family member had an experience. Hey, I live in Kelowna. My brother purchased. He lives in Surrey. You think he can help me out? Sure, I'll do my best, right? You don't get that business otherwise. You can't find it yourself. So you got to make it yourself. Oh, yeah. No, and, you know, you have to make things painless because, you know, like I had a client call me, um, well, it was about three weeks ago now. And he goes, um, the ST card reader adapter uh, wasn't working. I didn't know that that wasn't working so that I could view it on my computer. So I went to London Drugs and London Drugs told me this was defective and it cost $15. And he calls me and and uh, I'm like, okay. And I could have said, well, okay, that's great that you bought it for $15, but the warranty's through us. And, you know, you need to get our adapter, which I'm legally a right to do. But I said, he go, but he's like, well, you know, you're going to have to pay for this kind of thing. And I said, okay, sure. Give me the, give me the bill. Send it to me. I'll, I'll send you the 15 bucks. No problem. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And I didn't get into this discussion with him, but what's my time worth to drop off that replacement part? what's my time worth to package up the replacement part and ship him? Cause it's going to cost me at least 10 bucks just to ship out a replacement part. Even though I yeah. have like a hundred of them sitting here that are free that I have just sitting around here that I'm not even using, but what's it going to cost for all that? So right now, Hey, you send me a bill for that 15 bucks. I'll send it to you. No problem. So I have to look at what was my, what was my time worth? And honestly, for me, he went out on his own, went, and learned it, found out what was wrong. And I just wanted to take care of them at the end of the day. It was, it was only 15 bucks. It's, it's not the end of the world. And most customers are kind of shocked. Like, oh, like you did take care of me. Yeah. I mean, I could be 
small about it and be like, oh, I'm not paying that. It's 15 bucks, blah, blah, blah. It's the premise, you know, and, and do all that kind of be, a, but like, why? Why have that? And I mean, uh, I'm not out here to hide, hide anything. I've broken two panels on two different vehicles now uh, over the course of 20 months. And both times it was, okay, I'll just get your replacement part. And in the first time, I think they were kind of scared, like, you know, is he actually going to take care of me? And it was like the next day I go, yeah, I got it in my hand. When can we meet? And they were like, oh, wow, that was quick. And they still gave me a full five-star review because of how I even handled breaking the part and how I handled saying I'm taking care of it. You know, it's on me. You didn't break it. I broke it. Right. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, how are you going to handle those little things? to make it positive because even those negatives can turn into a big positive. Like even if someone gives you a, a, a bad review, a lot of times you can turn that around. You can give awesome responses online to yeah. still make yourself look like a hero. And even sometimes depending on how you handle that situation, people can log back in and change that three star or two star review and change it to a five. Cause they're like, Oh wow. They, they took care of me. I was blown away. So I've changed my review to a five now. <laughs> Right? Like, yeah, but it's how you handle everything. Cause if you don't address it, you don't take care of it at the end of the day, you're not creating a positive experience. And a lot of people have been screwed, unfortunately, in so many things in the world that, you know, unfortunately a lot of them feel that they need to go and I don't know, give you a bad review or do something to leverage you to get service instead of just picking up the phone or sending you an email or, you know, texting you and we we see it a lot about our industry, right? Everybody labels the car salesman as, you know, the scum of the earth and (laughs) to rip you off and give you a bad experience. And, you know, we tell you there's nothing wrong with that used car. And then, you know, what are we hiding? And, you know, that's just simply not the case for the most part. Like, yeah, there, there are bad apples out there, but there's those people in every industry, right? And I'm lucky the store that I work for is part of a large auto group and even our pre-owned vehicles that don't have warranty. So let's say it's out of manufacturer's warranty. It's too old, too many kilometers. We still put a three month, 5,000 kilometer powertrain on it at no cost to the client. Hey, you know, Mr. Customer, we want you to know that we've inspected this vehicle. We believe it's in great condition. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be selling it to you. And to give you that peace of mind, if something blows up in the first three months, we're going to take care of it. And I've seen us do it. Does it happen often? No. I've been there two years. I've sold, oh gosh, probably close to 200 cars. I've had it happen once. One time, transmission just went kaput on a customer and we fixed it. We got him back on the road, took a week. We got him in a courtesy vehicle. Guy was blown away. You know, first phone call, like you mentioned, he reached out to me and he was irate. You know, I bought this car from you four weeks ago and now shift like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have trusted you guys. And what the heck? And, you know, he declined to buy an extended warranty, which For any of your people listening, I do recommend extended warranties on any vehicle purchases that you plan to keep. There's just so much technology, so many moving parts. And I mean, one blown item can cover your expense if you plan to keep your car. So seriously consider it. That's my two cents on it. But anyways, we took care of this under our warranty that we offer as value to our clients. And the guy went back and put a great review on the store's webpage afterwards and said he was blown away and, you know, highly recommends doing business with us. So yeah, I'm sure the store didn't want to pay, you know, however much it was to fix the transmission. But at the end of the day, if they get one sale or continued service from the client, it more that pays from itself, especially when you consider that positive review now that everybody can see online. Cool. It's awesome. So um, 
let's let's switch it up here. Is there a book you have read that has influenced your life? Yeah, I'd say so. There's one I really like, and uh, sales guy going to the Grant Cardone. Well, what do you expect, right? But uh, Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. Um, it's not just for salespeople. It's uh, just an overall great book. And it literally talks about how every transaction that you have, you know, verbal, whatever, you're either selling or you're being sold. You know, we have this conversation with our spouses every day. Hey, what do you want for dinner? Literally, either you're selling your wife on what you want for dinner or she's selling you on what she wants for dinner. You may not realize it, but that's how it's happening. Oh, I want to go to this restaurant or I want to have this for dinner. Okay, well, you know, how do you use, how do you use your words, your body language, your influence to you know, get what you want and get people in agreement. It's not so much about always getting what you want, but it's finding a way to get somebody to agree with you so that you have a mutual, you know, a mutual understanding and both go in the same way. So there's a lot of great tidbits in that book. I, I would uh, recommend reading that. I was, uh, that actually reminded me of the movie Boiler Room. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Boiler Room. No, no unfortunately. Boiler Room's like uh, the original Wolf of Stra- Wall Street movie. So it's, okay. it's original, like it's, old school Jordan, whatever his name is kind of thing. So it, anyways, they, they on that movie, it's pretty like, it's like a sleazy salesman movie. Right. But um, cool. they have this thing called ABCs always be closing. Yeah. Like Glenn, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they always say, you know, either somebody closes you on a reason why not to buy from you or you close them on a reason why to buy from you. So it, it, it's, kind of a, a, a similar thinking except that that was uh that was a wholesale like selling stocks in the stock market and uh, uh but they're also like lying to people which is completely not right <laughs> but no, no, no. it's a funny no, no. sales people sales movie though right but everybody's always trying to sell each other right that that's what that always be closing is about so you know you talk about your wife either your wife's telling you i want chicken and she sold you on it or or, you know, you're saying you want steak and you sold her on, we're having steak tonight. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And one thing they touch on, I'm going to ask you this question just to see uh, where your mindset is. Who are the best salespeople on planet earth? The best salespeople on planet earth. So, so get this. Um, I was in a room a few years back and you know what people say? Mm. Great managers are the best salespeople. The reason yeah. why great managers are is because they're selling their people to continue working for the company. They're selling their people to keep their customers happy. Yeah. Right. And, and they're on constantly selling themselves to all of their staff and their team. You know, I dig that answer. That wasn't the one that I thought you were going to go down to, but yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, but I think Cardone touches on it. The best salespeople, children. Oh, really? You know why? Because they don't take no for an answer and they're persistent in what they want. <laughs> Uh, adults are too busy trying to avoid the conflict and giving up and we hear it in sales right you sometimes you have you probably get it too but you know there's an age-old saying that sometimes you have to overcome up to eight no's before you get a yes most most adults don't want to do that in an interaction they uh, or they don't want to bluntly ask the question so in sales we're asked to you know come up with creative ways to ask the question right the soft closes yeah with children though there's just no filter there's no stop they'll ask you the same question until they break you down yeah and it's, uh, getting to yes <laughs> exactly right now granted you may see some issues if you uh try to sell your clients the same way your children tried to sell you on staying up past their bedtime but it just goes to show that the persistence can work right so 
Um, I, I think it is important to continue to ask and even ask after you've got a no, but also understand too, when you hit that boundary, when a client is steadfast and no, you know, if, if the answer is no, why is the answer no? That's where you need to transition it. So is it simply that you're not ready? Is it simply that I picked the wrong product for you? Um, do you not like me? You know, fortunately, that's not usually the case, although my hair sometimes scares people off, but uh, kidding aside, you know, you got to find the depths of, of why it is a no. And sometimes the no is just time. You know, I'm not ready right now. Okay, great. Why don't I schedule a call with you in three weeks to follow up and see if there's any questions? And then you can get that sale later. You know, just because they're in front of you right now doesn't always mean you're going to get the yes today, but you still have the opportunity to get the yes tomorrow. I had that, uh, a guy in the Honda dealership, uh, when I was actually, when we bought the van from you, from Mm -hmm. yourself and Zach there, I tell you, I went to, I went to that Honda dealership, not, not just across the road. And the guy picked used every stop you could think of right you know because i said why should i buy this honda over a kia a toyota you know you know mazda like any of these other ones why should i well because it's a honda okay yeah no, no no like seriously like sell me on this right so you know and you know they wanted something like six seven hundred dollars a month because it's a honda right and I kept saying to him, like, hey, like, can you do anything better on price? Can you do this? Because, you know, I want to haggle back and forth and see what I could do. And this guy literally did because he realized he wasn't getting anywhere with me on the new vehicle because he because I already didn't want to be in that payment plan. So he goes, so he goes, give me, I'll be right back. Comes back, brings this binder. I'm sure you've heard this story before and brings this binder out. Here you go. Well, it's obvious you can only afford a used car. So uh, here you go. Right. Because he's so dead set on closing me because I was there, which is old school sales tactics. Like I already told him I was looking, I'm doing my research, but then he started insulting me. Now he's opening his binder. Yeah. You could take this, uh, you know, 2015 Odyssey, uh, pretty good, you know, 40,000 kilometers, uh, maybe this much amount of money. And, you know, that's, that's probably all you can, cause he's thinking that he can use reverse psychology on me and I'm going to go, well, no, I want the new one. I'll pay the, but that doesn't work on me. I've trained salespeople. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> and, Even the people that it does work on a lot of the times aren't happy. Like I've heard of customers, you know, wanting to come back the next day because they feel like they were forced into something. And I, I just don't believe in that. Like, I will always ask you for your business. Always, always, always. And I'll ask you multiple times but I'm never going to force your hand into doing something. And if I ever feel like I'm getting resistance, even with a yes, you know, we'll offer things like, Hey, why don't you take the vehicle home overnight? Let's make sure this is the right vehicle for you. And then we can decide tomorrow. Yeah, no, you know, you don't, you don't want that hassle. Just like the client doesn't, they don't want the embarrassment of coming back and returning a vehicle. And as a salesperson, you don't want to have to go through the whole process of unwinding the deal, undoing the insurance, because once that's happened, you're not going to see them again. They're going to be too embarrassed to come back to you. You know, even if they are in the market for that same vehicle again and they enjoyed the experience as a whole, they're just not going to feel comfortable coming back. So we try to give them every reason to not do it before. You know what I mean? That kind of sounds weird, but we want to give them every opportunity. That's probably better. Every opportunity to say, no, this isn't right before they do it so that they're 100 percent certain in their in their decision. There's, There's no sense in forcing people into it, you know. It's not like you're trying to upsell somebody, you know, two pies with their Big Mac meal, right? Well, yeah, you need 
decision right now, Ben. You don't have time tomorrow. If you don't do this right now, these pies aren't going to be here. Like that happens in the car industry all the time. You know, if you don't buy this car today, you know, somebody could walk in off the street tomorrow and take it. Yeah, that is a possibility. Have I seen it happen? Sure. Nine times out of 10, it doesn't. And if you are a great salesperson, hey, you know what? If you're unsure of it, why don't you put a deposit on the car? We'll hold it for you for 24 hours. Like I said, if you want, you can take it home. You can show it to your wife and be certain it's what you want to do. That's the right way to do it. You know, make them feel comfortable so the decision is on their terms. Oh, yeah. Like, and the thing is, you want to have lots of touch points. So if, if literally all your thing is, hey, uh, I want to buy this Honda Odyssey. Okay, yeah, it's 650 a month. Okay, I'll take it. Well, what kind of relationship do you have built with that salesperson and with the client? There's none. There's, there's none, right? So literally, you, you got sold on price. That person came in. Maybe that person did the research or talked to a, you know, an internet manager like yourself, and you already gave them all the information, and then they bought it somewhere else. It's a possibility. I mean, people do do that, but at the same time, you know, what are you, you know, what are you doing to, you know, I, I personally, I want to buy because I want a relationship with the people. I want to be able to know that I'm going to get taken care of. I mean, especially if I'm going to spend my money somewhere, you know, going to a restaurant or anything, I, I want to, I'm going to go back over and over again because I'm getting good service or I'm going to recommend friends and family there because that person gave me great service. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you can't be just one and done. I mean, I do occasionally get people that just contact me like, that's great. It's awesome. When can you do it? But some people do also shop that way. But I would say the majority of people want to make sure that you're a reputable, that they can, that you're someone they know, like, and trust. They want to make sure most people, I think, want some kind of relationship knowing that they, they can trust that person. And yeah, anyways, I mean, that's all I got to say. <laughs> no, you literally took the words out of my mouth. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. Like it, it's so true. And especially now with the human interaction changing to this digital format, it's so much more important to build that rapport and, and get that level of trust. And, you know, that's why I said, you got to invest those extra times. Like you do, you, you send links to information, like even going so far as doing that shows that you care and you want the customer to have an understanding, you know, chances are your competitor isn't doing that. Even if they are sending out a quote when they get an inquiry, like what else are they doing to make themselves different, to make the customer feel appreciated and help educate? Because that really is our job. Like whether we're selling dash cams or cars, we do this every single day. We know these things like the back of our hands. Like like I mentioned, I'll sell over 100 cars a year. In your lifetime, you'll buy 10 cars, maybe. And that's probably on the high side for the average person. So you know, what can you do to make that experience great for them? And what can you do to make them feel comfortable? Because even for us, every year when new technology comes out, we have to learn. And just because we've had the time to do the training, read the manuals and play with it, doesn't mean that a customer has. Like the amount of people that don't know what adaptive cruise control is nowadays is mind boggling. But when you take them for a drive and demonstrate what it is, or the self-parking feature on some of these electric cars, like I'll go to Guilford Mall in a, an electric Mustang. Hey, Mr. Customer, watch this. And I'll make the car back itself into a parking spot next to two cars by itself. And at first they're like, oh my God, you're going to totally crash this car. And then, yeah, it's like a seven point turn because the technology is not as good as somebody who knows how to do it pro properly. But they're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Can it parallel park too? Yeah, absolutely. It can parallel park and it won't hit the curb. Check this out. And then we'll go and demonstrate it. And their mind is blown. And it just, it's doing those little different things. Like, you know, the stuff that other people aren't going to show them. Yeah. Especially 
Yeah, let, let's go around the block, Ben. Can, can, I, can I borrow your car? Room? Can I borrow yeah. your car for my uh, driver's test? Right? <laughs> or I have to parallel park? I've always wondered about that. You know, if you do a self-parking car for your driver's test, will you pass? And, uh, you know, we'll go off topic here a little bit. But my only worry with all of this technology is that the skill of driving is going to start to go away in the general public. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. But, you know, nowadays cars will center themselves in lanes. Um, Tesla has auto driving. You know, Ford is working on an auto driving system over Canadian highways where literally the car will steer itself. It'll keep the distance to the car in front of you. It'll break. It's it's insane. It's, I just hope we don't become so dependent on the technology. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have the wrong point of view, but no, you know, maybe- uh, it's funny. Last week in school, we had to do technological considerations. Okay. My topic was autonomous vehicles. Perfect. So I actually did a whole thing. I have all about the Tesla car driving on its own and and I did a video for the class that was showing it driving on its own. And I'm like, I just couldn't imagine sitting in a seat and you're not even touching the steering wheel, the gas pedal, brake pedal, and you're allowing this technology. And I mean, Tesla in the States just had a few vehicles that drove through stop signs and caused some accidents. I mean, I don't know what the whole deal is there on why that happened. Maybe someone stole the stop sign maybe it was a new stop sign installed or something like that that wasn't updated in their system who who knows what the deal is i have no idea right there's always two sides to every single story but with all this new technology coming out like it's crazy because i mean what what i had playing in the video was seats and i got to see this kind of stuff when i was at the consumer electronics show in vegas in 2020 there's literally vehicles with no steering wheel. Those are those will probably be on our road by 2030. There is no steering wheel. You literally program in where you need to go. It will bring you there right down to the point of where you reserve your parking stall at your work or wherever you're going, and it'll literally just go and park there. The other thing they're working on is literally this thing that will dock at your house. It's kind of like a trailer, but it's a car. The one side opens up, you literally go in, there's a desk in there. You the, you can either have the windows open or closed, like, sorry, not open, uh, tinted where you can't, where you can't see out or you can see out and you can literally work at a desk. So this thing's driving hundred kilometers an hour. You're working on your desk, doing work, hooked up to 5g, your car's work to hooked up to 5g. And, and then you just show up at work. And your vehicle docks at the office and your office is your vehicle. And then you just walk out into the common areas and there's like a common table, but it will like all these vehicles will dock. Like I didn't show that in the presentation. But that's all stuff I was seeing at the consumer electronics show in 2020. It's mind blowing where we're going to be looking at going with this technology. Now, whether or not it gets approved or not, and whether or not we embrace this technology or whether or not we just all just continue working at home, I really hope we don't go the Oculus goggle thing. I mean, that, to me, that's just weird. I don't know, having some whatever thing on my head. But, you know, personally, we're we're getting to a place where our kids won't learn how to drive. I agree, yeah. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, I love driving. I listen to podcasts, listen to music while I'm driving. But, I mean, are we going to get to the point where literally we sit in a vehicle the seats turn around, you're looking at your kids and are we just going to literally just play with our phone and not play with our kids? Or are we actually going to 
do stuff with them. And that, that really makes me wonder where, where are we going with this technology or are we getting lazier? You know, like, I, I don't know. Is our critical thinking going to go down because now we're not driving the car. Now we don't have to make those decisions. I do love all the adaptive crews and the stuff keeping you in the lanes. I love that stuff. Cause you know, sometimes it's nice because it keeps you in your lane, keeps you center. And I love that, that technology, but the whole driving on its own thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess we got to see where it goes. You know, I was scared of uh, push button start vehicles. Like, oh, this is the stupidest thing ever. It's going to fail. It's going to be garbage. And now I got two push button start vehicles. So, <laughs> and, and it's awesome. I'm like, I never want to put my key in there again. Right. You never have to pull it out. Proximity entry, proximity exit. Yeah. So the autonomous braking is fantastic. Like to be able to slow a vehicle down so that the impact speed is less uh, fantastic technology. But yeah, I can, I kind of get lost at the self-driving. I call me old school, but you know, give me a big V8 and a manual transmission and let me, you know, take the apexes (laughs) of the corners. I, I, I live for them. That's fun. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. So, you know, uh, Let's go to the last one here. If there's one sure. thing you could change in the entire world today, what would it be and why? <laughs> As we're talking oh. about the future. <laughs> right? Oh, man, that's just, there's so many things. I don't want to get too political or anything like that, but I just love to see the human interaction come back. I, I hope we can get to a point where, you know, we don't have to worry so much about wearing these masks and, you know, we can see people's faces. I, I still, to this day, you know, I, I try to avoid the mass spaces as much as possible. I've got a young family at home and my mother-in-law lives in my house. So, you know, we don't want to, you know, be bringing in COVID because you just never know. But gosh, you go to the mall and you hold the door open for somebody and you're so used to like smiling at them. And now you realize you have this, you know, piece of fabric covering your face. And I know people say, oh, they can see you smiling with your eyes. It's not the same. Oh, you no. know, the, the facial expressions when you're having a conversation with somebody like in our, in our office, you know, we obviously everybody wears masks, but we have a glass partition between us as well. So if I'm trying to break the ice and, you know, I'm a dad, I've got terrible humor. I crack bad jokes. That's part of my sales shtick. It's what I do. I want to get a reaction out of you. Well, I can't always get those facial expressions, you know, maybe oh, yeah. you roll your eyes or, but sometimes you get that half smirk, right. And you realize, okay, yeah, they gave you a little something. You don't always get that when they're wearing a mask. You, you can't get those cues. So it's, it's become different and less personable and, and, and I think less fun. Like, I, I want to see you smile. I want to see you have a good time. And um, yeah, I, that's what I hope we can get back to. I don't know how I change it. I don't know if you know, I come up with some vaccine that cures all of it or if time runs its course, whatever it may be. You know, that's a story for another podcast, I'm sure. But uh, well, that's what I'd like to see change. I'd like to see us get back to that while still embracing the technology that's changed the way we've done sales. Because I enjoy doing the, the distance sales. I, I don't have an issue with it. I, I think it's a great way to expand your business, especially when there are supply issues. Um, I don't know if you see it in the dash cam world. I imagine you probably do with the microchips. But So you know, far, so no. far, I haven't been affected. But, you know to you know not go crazy into the supply chain because i did want to kind of add to your uh your thing there but um you know i'm stocking more product than i normally ever would to plan on if there is a supply chain hit yeah right so normally i'd stock a month worth of stock now i'm stocking like three months worth of stock right that way if i see something happening i can order in advance and be safe 
instead of in the past, I'd only have a month's worth of inventory and, and it wouldn't be a big deal, but to kind of add to, to, to where you were, were going there, what, what I've started doing the last two months. Cause I like, because obviously I've been doing this podcast for around two months as well. I just, I, I just really don't like that. The customer interaction has, you can't read their faces and stuff. Yeah. So now what I literally am telling clients you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, we can put a mask on and sit in the vehicle next to each other. And I go, or you can sit in the vehicle and I can stand six feet away from you outside. You're comfortable with it. And usually what I do is I stand, you know, out the front by the front bumper kind of thing. And I'm walking them through how to demo the car, like how to demo the the unit. And because I know these apps so well in my head that I don't need to be sitting right next to them. And I can give them a whole thing or I'll stand near the back of the car, but I'm giving them that. And then I can see their face. I can read their expressions. I can see what they're doing. So I'm trying to use that distance thing. And then there are people out there that just, they're fine. They're, they, they're not worried about anything. They'll shake my hand. They'll, you know, and, and I'm like, this is awesome, but I don't stick my hand out to people because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I want to get to that point where I can just stick my hand out every time. And 90% of the people are actually just going to shake it back. And there's going to be yeah. 10% of people that, that I still feel are going to be long-term affected by this. I don't think they're ever going to get back to normal, unfortunately, you know, and, and I do feel sorry for those people. I hope they can find some normalcy, but you know, unfortunately the anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff is, is, you know, going to be long-term for some people. For sure. And I'll swing back to the supply chain stuff. Um, You know, our industry has been hit so hard with it. Like when I first started with Ford, before this whole thing started, we were selling 30 to 40 F-150s a month. We had them on ground. It wasn't an issue. I have one brand new F-150 right now. If you came to me and you wanted, hey, I'm looking for this specific truck. When can you get it for me? Let's get your factory order in and it'll be four to six months. It's not like anything we've ever seen. And the counter to that is that the used vehicle market is also seeing a huge shift because people can't get a new car. Well, now the demand is turning over to used and we're seeing one-year-old cars selling for more than they were brand new at the auction because people are just trying to buy inventory. So for us, what we're seeing a lot of is clients in smaller areas. So Vancouver Island where, yeah, it's, you know, there's still a lot of people on Vancouver Island, but they don't have the supply over there that we do on the mainland or, you know, up north, the Prince George's, or I sold somebody from Atlin, BC, if you have any idea where that is. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's about a 10 minute drive from the BC Yukon border to get to Atlin, BC. You actually have to drive into the Yukon and then turn back down into BC. Pretty cool story. Oh, the guy wow. couldn't find anywhere within 500 kilometers of him and came down and bought a vehicle from us because we had some selection. Um, and I just think that's going to continue probably for the next year, year and a half. And you, you see it in other commodities too. Like I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but my dad's trying to buy new golf clubs. I think, oh, golf clubs, they'll be easy to find. Trying to find a set of golf clubs right now, not easy. Trying to find appliances right now, not easy. I've got a coworker who's waited four months for a fridge. Yeah, no. So the whole what microchip thing, the Crazy. whole, so, cause I'm in supply chain management, right? In school okay. and I get involved in some of these conversations. We're learning about certain things. Plus I listen to so many podcasts. It's crazy. Um, and you know, Joe Rogan, you either love him or you hate him, but he had uh Jocko on there and yeah. Jocko was talking about how, um, he's bringing all certain things back to the States. And when he was on that podcast, 
um, he actually talked about how Samsung is opening a chip factory in Texas. Yeah. Right. Which is pretty awesome. Okay. The other thing is, is uh, they had the national security advisor under Donald Trump on there as well. And he talked about how they were supposed to sign a bill early January. I think it passed because to bring manufacturing back to the States. So we're going to see chip factories show, showing up. We're going to see a lot of manufacturing come back to the United States that left, which means I hopefully Canada follows suit as well. But what's going to happen is, you know, these chip factories, sure, uh, one of them did burn down and there was a bunch of stuff that happened, which caused part of the chip shortage. But if they're getting manufactured overseas, who are you going to take care of first? Oh, your local client always. You take care of your locals first before you take care of other people. So this just goes to show how weak our supply chain got because now instead of us getting, having our vehicles, I mean, the Oakville Ford plant, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Mm -hmm. uh, I have friends who live out there who told me that literally you've seen thousands of these, I think it was escapes lined up there and then, and then they'd be gone because the chips must have shown up. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. He goes, but I've never seen the lot that filled. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I get calls and, and I'll be doing like five Ford escapes for dash cams in a week. So like, oh, well, the Ford dealerships must deliver their Ford escapes this week. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we see. They come in waves. It's, it's crazy. And it's hard to predict even how long something's going to take. You know, I tell you four to six months, but I've had people that have waited up to eight months and there's just nothing we can do about it. Yeah. It's, It's. It's so crazy because, I mean, I go to car dealerships. I'm like, man, how do they have so many cars? And then they have a separate lot and blah, blah, blah. And I just like, I'd kind of make fun of like, man, that's just crazy. I just can't believe that. And they have every color. And now they're at a point where it's like, you know, we survived because we had those big lots and now we have nothing, right? like next to nothing. Right. So um, it, it's just interesting how, you know, we, I look at it going, kind of making fun of it. Now I'm looking at it going wow, uh, they can't eat, like, if it was up to them, they'd probably have twice the inventory that they had prior right now. Well, absolutely. Because of the supply chain and they see the long-term effects, right? So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the, with, with the chips, but I am, uh, I was, and I don't know if I already mentioned this, but it is like a six-year process to start bringing manufacturing jobs back. And I know a lot of people will say, well, it costs more for labor, it costs more for this, but at the same time, You've probably heard this shipping containers have gone up three times in price. The cost to ship things have gone up three, four times in price. So all these things are going up sooner or later, plus the amount of time it spends on the water. You know, after a while, you got to just start building it locally. It makes a lot more sense to get it built locally. So it'll obviously improve what's going on here, but we're not out of the, we're not out of the woods yet. Right. So it's it's still a ways to go unfortunately so yeah, yeah it is what it is do you have any final comments anything you want to say <laughs> no I, I just want to thank you for this this has been fun um when you told me 45 minutes to an hour i was like oh boy this could get tough trying to get uh, enough content but uh, it's been seamless so oh yeah this is great yeah it was, we always had great conversations at the car dealership so you know i figured you know, let's get Patrick on here. Let's let's keep the conversation out for our for our people who want to like listen to the podcast, listen to me speak. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll save the sales spiel. I mean, uh, they already heard where I work. If they want to get a hold of me, they can track me down. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, if I ever need anybody that needs dash cams, I'd certainly send business your way as well. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I know you're a up guy, and yeah, everything I see on your business online looks, you know, fantastic. So keep doing what you're doing, and I hope people watching this and your other podcasts are taking all the value because it's just an added value proposition for you know what you do, and it just shows the level that you care towards your clients and you know making sure that they understand everything. It's awesome. I appreciate you coming on, and thanks. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at SafeDriveSolutions on Instagram or www.safedrivesolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.